You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to The Better Man Podcast. My name's Adam Torno. Today on the podcast, we've got Sam Black. Sam is the Director of Life Change Education over at Covenant Eyes. Some of you all listening to this podcast, you may know about Covenant Eyes. You may have Covenant Eyes on your phone. And if you don't, you may get it on your phone uh, after you hear Sam uh, talk about it today. Covenant Eyes is this app that helps people either stop or never start looking at pornography. Uh, so it's a pretty fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed it. It's one of those conversations that I looked up. I felt like we'd been talking five minutes. We'd been talking longer than five minutes. Um, he is so clear, so passionate, so hope-filled as he talks about this struggle that is so common to so many people with pornography. Sam uh, is a former journalist. He has also written a couple of books. He wrote one called The Porn Circuit, Understanding How Your Brain Interacts with Pornography. And then his latest book is called The Healing Church. Uh, you're going to love hearing from him. He's got so much hope as he talks about this. So enjoy my conversation with Sam Black. Well, Sam, welcome to the Better Man Podcast. Good to have you here today. Adam, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, it was fun before we hit record as we were just talking about what you do um, and some of the connections that we have there. So uh, talk about Covenant Eyes, because this is something, as I was telling you, I've got a 14-year-old son, and as he's getting into that area of having his own phone, you know, we, we wanted to try to provide some tools to help him as he is journeying into what every man's battle is, you know, to borrow from that book title. Uh, but talk about Covenant Eyes for those that may be listening that aren't familiar with the product and the tool and, and what it does, and then what your role is there as well. Yeah. Why, don't, why don't we start there? All right. Uh, Covenant Eyes has been around since 2000. So we've been doing this for at least 23 years. And uh, we create software and content to help people stop looking for at pornography or never start. And so how Covenant Eyes works today is much different from when it got its start. But we actually use artificial intelligence that screen reads. So it doesn't matter where pornography is coming from on your, on your computer or Android device, or we serve for iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Android, Windows and Mac computers, and you you put this on your device, and you choose someone who's going to be your ally. And I say ally, we we're familiar with the word accountability partner, and and there's nothing wrong with that word, but sometimes it's gotten a bad rap. But an ally always has your back; they want to see you succeed. And so you're choosing someone so you can pr practice James 5.16 with about what I do on my devices matters. And so Covenant Eyes literally captures the screen, blurs that image before it ever leaves the device because we don't want to expose someone else to inappropriate content. And then it goes to, as you can see, a, a, into an app called the Victory App by Covenant Eyes, which provides an ongoing feed of how I'm using my device goes to my allies. So, and uh, they get alerts if something rates higher. And so they can just give me a quick call and a text and say, hey, Sam, how are you doing? And, uh, but probably the most powerful part about Covenant Eyes is the commitment that you've made to someone else, that I'm gonna be open and honest about how I'm using my devices, how I'm living my life, and I agreed to have an ongoing conversation with you. We're discipling one another. We're caring for one another. And as James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so that you may be healed. 
we're simply taking away the secrecy and hiding from how we use our devices when we're at our weakest. So while you're strong, while you're feeling, hey, I want to make a commitment like this, do that now because so you're prepared when you're strong for when you're weak. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, yeah, like I said, the, the journey that my 14-year-old son and I have been on, it, it, it is, it's exactly what you're just talking about. Very, very easy to use. And um, so I am his ally right now, which is, uh, which is cool. It's a, it's a new dynamic for our friendship or, or our father-son relationship. And um, it does exactly what you said. You know, anytime I want to go in there, I can look, I can see some things, and it's just so easy to use and very clear. One of the things I appreciate too is it gives me as the ally the gentle reminders like, hey, now may be a good time to check in. See, you haven't opened the app in a little bit, you know, and things like that. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. You know, because I'm not I'm not looking to play cop. You know, I don't know if that's going to be helpful for him for me to play cop. He's a he's a growing young adult. He needs to learn how to make some decisions. And I like that aspect of this uh, just to encourage you guys and what you're doing over there because it I don't feel like I'm policing him. But it's nice to know. And I, so I love that word ally. I think that's a great description of what I feel like in his life and hopefully what he feels like I'm playing right now, too. Yeah. Policing is the opposite of what you want to do, right? You, uh, and you want to serve as an example for your son. So you want to let him know, son, this is who my allies are. And uh, I, I always encourage that you model the behavior you want for your, your, your sons and daughters. We, we lead in our homes, right? And so uh, the whole purpose behind uh, Covenant Eyes and having these ally relationships, and by the way, within the Victory app, there's more than 30 courses that help you be a better ally, but also to understand why do I struggle with pornography? And, and, and do I have just a bit of temptation or is this something more deep that I need to work on? Have I been trying to evade pornography for a long time, but my best efforts don't seem to work? Well, we walk you through how men and women get stuck, why they often stay in that stronghold of pornography, and how to surrender to a life of not just accountability, but uh, a, a discipleship that better man is so well-versed in to disciple and, and encourage one another and really understand why am I, why is this a specific struggle for me? How have I been using it to manage my moods, manage when I'm angry? Uh, when are the times that I'm most susceptible? And as you begin having those conversations and taking a journey toward healing, then you're actually also entering into authentic relationships with, with your ally. And that authenticity is an intimate connection and that's a contagious. It's a little bit empowering. So when you begin doing it, you'll see other guys going, I really want what they have. That's that's pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Without the shame, you know, so it's not a you should, you should, you ought. It's watching your friend start to experience some victory and seeing that weight that's lifted off their shoulders. Uh, there is. There, it, contagious is the right way to say it. I'll never forget. So I'm in my young 20s. I became follower of Jesus in college. So I, I'm graduated from college in my first small group with other men. I'm living in Atlanta at the time. And I'll never forget that night, like where we were sitting, where I was, when that gentleman in that group said, hey, I need to confess something to you all. I've been looking at pornography pretty regularly over the last few months. For me, as a relatively new believer at that time, it was kind of a record scratch moment of like, he just said that out loud to, to other people, you know, because to me, 
growing up, it was always something to hide. I mean, I was, I, I, uh, was exposed to pornography very young. Um, and, but it was different. It was not the internet, right? So it was magazines or videos and things like that from growing up. But so all those were always hidden and you always had to wait till somebody wasn't in the house and all that kind of stuff. So to me, this was always something to hide, hide, hide. Hearing now my brother who I had known for so long confess this, it, that night, it was like, all of us were like, okay, well, I've got something to confess. And it wasn't all pornography for everybody. It was, it was other different things, but it just created such a safe environment uh, to be able to do that, which feels counterintuitive and really, really vulnerable for the person who goes first. Right? Yeah. Would, would you agree with that yeah, experience? So Does the, that match your experience? When someone's vulnerable, when they, and when we create safe places that have those kind of conversations, often that man who just told a story that is, he feels like he's going to be rejected. He's feeling shame about it. But instead, he's loved and accepted, and we're not going to abandon you. We're going to walk with you, right? And in that, then that atmosphere suddenly, uh, that person just became the safest person <laughs> in the room, right? <laughs> yeah. And yes. so I have found when I tell my story to other men, often I am the safest person that they've met for probably a long while, and within a safe place. Uh, we hear that we're a person and not a problem. We that our identity is found in Christ and not in our sin. And so we need to begin creating. That's what uh, I wrote a book. Uh, what we'll be talking about a little bit. It's called the Healing Church. What churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it. And you can learn more about it at thehealingchurch.com. But the one of the big premises is that we need to create a safe place with a safe process that allow people not to come as they are, but they don't have to stay as they are. Now, so often in the church, we have either created a, some churches have created a very safe place where you just come and you're not judged or, you know, there's nothing going to happen, but you're not called to change, right? And there's some churches that are, hey, we have rules to follow. And if you're a Christian, uh, there are certain expectations that you should have, you should never have any problems. You don't have any struggles in your life. And what we need is a safe place where we can come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. We are called yeah, to something more. Yeah. So some of the, uh, let's, a couple different ways we could say this, but you, you had mentioned earlier with some of the things that are in the Victory app, some of the courses, you talk about why. But then you mentioned something about the strongholds, like or or some of the the reasons that we stay in that particular struggle. So if if you were going to say, you know, let's use some of John A. Cuff's language, like what are some of the soundtracks we listen to that keep us in there, or lies that we believe, or stories that we tell ourselves that would, you know, I'm I'm sure you have had so many conversations over your 16 years at Covenant Eyes. You you've, you're probably as close to an expert as we've got on some of you know some of this process and the struggle. What are some common themes that you see there on on what are some of those strongholds or those stories that people believe that keep them stuck in this? Sense? Yeah, there's. A, I I have literally spoken to thousands of men, women, teens about the issue of pornography in their life. I also host a, a newcomer meeting for and for an organization called Samson Society at samsonsociety.com. and. Uh, within that that frame, uh, that newcomer meeting, I typically don't host a typical meeting. I host, uh, I ask them to tell their story and I go first. 
And here's what I hear over and over again. This is backed up by Christian counselors. Uh, this is a new, we just, the average guy doesn't know about it. And this is how men become trapped in this stronghold. One, the early exposure you talked about. Often before we even understand the basic mechanics of sex, like I was, we see pornography. And then there's an ongoing repetition that often happens at, from a young age, going through adolescence. We take it through middle school and high school and college or trade school or our jobs into our marriage. And then we decide, hey, we want to do something about this. But for some reason, it is claimed a lot of our heart. And we're trying to figure out why is this? And the third part, so one, early exposure, two, repetition, this ongoing use, and three is some drama or trauma that's often happening early in life. And it becomes a cement that pulls us all together and we begin uh, using pornography as an escapism. So the early exposure happens because every child is naturally curious about what the opposite sex looks like without clothes. That's, that's natural. But um, and some and children sometimes check each other out, but they don't see adult bodies. They don't see the horrific pornography that is available today. That's typically video. It's uh, it's hardcore. It is violent. It is debasing. It's ugly. It's shocking, right? And so, for a child to look away from that, it's very hard because dopamine kicks off, and it's something that's never seen before. And dopamine can focus not only focuses your attention; it can do so to the point of tunnel vision. And we have to understand that pornography is not sex; it's a hijacking of what God created. And so, those natural processes that God created are being artificially enhanced. Um, for a child seeing pornography for the first time, out of context, often without any knowledge. And that repetition actually builds neural pathways in the brain that begin craving it more and more. And it operates under this neuroplast neuroplasticity. The brain used to be thought we were, was very ceramic, that you'd get, you, once you reach a certain age, you just, you couldn't learn anything. You could teach a dog new tricks, right? But with neuroplasticity, it shows us that the brain can be formed over throughout our lifetimes. We can both form it and unform it. So that gives us great hope in Scripture about the renewing of our mind. Paul knew exactly what he was talking about there. And so that brain has become more formed with that repetition. And because of often some pain and things in our lives, we have learned to escape with it, learn to manage our moods with it. And so it becomes deeply ingrained in our mind, body, and spirit. And so we have to address those changes. We have to address renewal of the mind from a mind, body, and spirit perspective and recognize you didn't get here overnight and you're not going to get out overnight. Sometimes, you know, God can do anything. He restores people uh, immediately. But the vast majority of the time, especially with, with sexual sin, it seems that he calls us on a journey with fellow believers, and that's why we need a safe process. Because, you know, with my early exposure, and I came from a violent home, you know, even though it was a Christian home, it was hypocritically violent. And I learned that with repetition and escapism, practice that, 
But when I found some safe Christians, they began helping me understand, this is how you got here, Sam. This is how you're going to begin, begin living free. And with that journey, today I get to live in freedom from pornography. And so often we just kind of assume that, well, this is something we'll always struggle with because we're men. No, no, that's not what God called you to be. He has called you something greater. And you don't have to be trapped and stuck in this ongoing cycle of repentance and and uh, you do well for a little while, and then the right triggers hit, what I call C-triggers, S-E-E, uh, social, emotional, environmental triggers that really prompt you to go hunt down pornography. And because you've trained your brain for so long with that, it's very you get caught in that trap, begin fantasizing about it, and then you're acting out. Then you feel this horrific shame, right? You're like, oh, God, why am I here again? I, I, I don't even feel worthy to come to you and ask for forgiveness. I call it shame of self-hatred at my expense. And what God wants us to do is run boldly back to the throne. Come back. I, I know that you're messing up, uh, but let's stop that cycle. Let's practice the one another's of the Bible and, and surrender your heart and mind to others and begin entering uh, uh, with fellowship a process that begins really helping you find freedom. That's amazing. Now, let's say, Sam, there is somebody that is listening to that going, okay, so yeah, let, let, let me check the boxes. I did have early exposure. You're right. It was repetition all through middle school, high school, college, trade school, young adult, early marriage. And yeah, you're right. I do have some drama and trauma in my past as well. Never could connect those dots. That feels like a really long process. I don't know if I've got the energy to go all the way back and start to go through that, or they're, they're maybe feeling overwhelmed by going through that process. Um, you, like you, I like what you said. Listen, we didn't get here overnight, so we're not going to get to total freedom probably overnight. But what do you see as the first step? Like if there's somebody that feels a little overwhelmed by all of that, um, give, give that person hope to go. And, and it probably starts here with this, that, that feels attainable maybe. Right. Being open and honest with someone else and, and, and learning. What we stay here and stuck in, in those places because we try the same thing over and over again. You know, I, I think if I try harder this time, uh, if I really exercise my willpower, if I uh, start reading my Bible more and, and praying more, then, then I'll just find my way out. But it remains secret, and we don't really work on the issue. We don't do our part uh, to really uh, become obedient, right? We're, we're, we're still straying. And it's very easy to stray, right? So, you know, I made a, a, a cage of my own making, a bladed block by block and bar by bar, I locked the key and uh, the door with the key, and I threw away the key. And by the way, nobody keeps the key. Nobody keeps the key. No. <laughs> so, Adam, I need you to come alongside me and come say, hey, Sam, uh, I have a key here. Are you willing? Do you want to be healed? Right? Just like Jesus said mm. to the, the, yeah. the, the paralyzed person. He said, do you yeah. want to be healed? And if I can say, yes, I'm willing then you can begin opening the door and showing me how to come out. Now, if, if I don't have you, then I'll try a little harder maybe, and, but I'll sooner or later go back into my corner of depravity and then 
the whole cycle starts over again. But when you help walk me out, you say, okay, here's our first step. And there are some really great tools. We have a great uh, workbook called Life Change, a biblical uh, journey to freedom uh, that's available through Covenant Eyes. Again, you can go download the Covenant Eyes app, which is called Victory by Covenant Eyes. And that app is free. You don't even have to subscribe if you choose not to, to the accountability service. But all those courses in there begin helping you understand, how did I get here? Why do I seem to stay here? And oh, this is the, my next steps toward freedom. You share those with your ally and begin talking and having an ongoing conversation. And then step by step, you're learning how to be even curious about why you're struggling. For instance, you're feeling tempted one day and you're like, wow, what is going on? Oh, well, you know, I'm having, I've had a bad day. I just feel like I need some relief. Well, why are you having a bad day? You know, and that's what a good ally would ask. So Adam, you might say, well, Sam, what, why are you saying you had a bad day? Well, my boss yelled at me because I missed a deadline and et cetera. And I, I've been trying, but I just can't seem to get it. Well, how, okay. Well, how did that make you feel? Well, I felt worthless and like, I'm never going to get this right. And it reminds me of, you know, maybe it was my dad yelled at me or whatever it is. But as I become more curious about that, then I go, oh, I am just wanting to run to pornography because it's going, it's trying to soothe my mood, soothe my self-doubts. And we can choose better behaviors and outlets for, uh, instead of running to to pornography. There are some, and let's face it, we often run to a lot of things in life. Uh, There's alcohol and drugs and food, uh, and we just have to uh, recognize that God doesn't want a bunch of self-soothing and running away. He's ready for us to face our problems, and He is willing to do that with us. And guess what? We have the body of Christ as brothers in Christ, we can support one another as we take a journey and learn to really grow in his freedom. That's amazing. You know, there's a part of me that I'm, or I'm, I wonder if you ever feel this, I could, uh, if people could see what you see, uh, maybe they would have more hope that they could change. Because again, w- what you do vocationally as a part of Covenant Eyes and going around and speaking and the book writing that you've done. I'm sure you hear a lot of great stories and, you know, there's probably somebody listening right now that feels so isolated because they're in the corner of their prison right now. Maybe they don't know anybody in their life who is, who's also openly confessing that this is where they are now. They just, it feels so lonely. Um, my, my suspicion is from the seat that you're sitting in, Sam, um, is it fair to say there are thousands and thousands and thousands of followers of Jesus who are experiencing freedom from this stronghold right now? Is that, is that fair to oh, say yeah. that, that from what you oh, all yeah. see? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, what's so crazy about this too, this is, this is the most, this is the wonderful part is that when people find freedom, they don't keep it to themselves. They begin giving it away, right? That's just, that's just the nature of the beast. And, uh, uh, as I was writing the book, and uh, and meeting with churches who are doing this work really well, what they what their pastors would say is, you know, uh, I don't bef- I don't do more work now. I do less 
because I have men and women in my church that step up. They've been discipled, and now the discipled make more disciples. They are giving back. And so I see just that over and over and over again. And every process that I talk about in the book, it always ends with you have to give back. You actually keep what you give away. Often the very thing you need to hear for yourself is something you're saying to disciple someone else in, in their journey. And so you get them, you're not just uh, learn, you know, maintaining, you're learning and growing even as you're giving back. And, and so so many times we uh, try to take the easy way out and we say a quick prayer, we made our confession, and we've not really entered uh, that new wholeness. And so we go back to that same routine. So we want to, the beautiful thing about a safe process, a safe journey, is that you get be held in place long enough for the great physician to do his healing work. Because if I'm not held in place, I'll, I'll find a way to get back to that most, you know, those, de- those terrible things that I don't even want to think about anymore, right? And, and I also wrote this book very empathetic to people that are like, you know, they just don't understand. They just need to man up and stop this. I mean, come on, quit it. And uh, I, I sort of get an understanding of why today, why, why, understand, why would anybody want to ruin their marriage and, and impact their kids or their marriage and their work with pornography or unwanted sexual behaviors? Why would they do that? Well, I, I kind of get that because that's not, that doesn't, that pull has been taken from me and I'm grateful for that, but I haven't forgot where I came from. And so uh, using that knowledge, helping pastors and ministry, ministry leaders understand again, how people get stuck in the first place and how that stronghold keeps telling them lies like you talked about that kind of says, you know, God made me this way. I, uh, that's why I have these desires. Otherwise, look at my how I feel in my body. And on a neurological level, that lie sort of feels true, but it is a lie that I, uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, maybe I was meant to roam to Savannah. And that's why I had this desire for this Rep, you know, viewing multiple uh, people, uh, these lies get intertwined into your very mind, body, and spirit. By your body, I mean your brain, your neurology. Uh, it reinforces those lies that pornography has taught you. So your mind and your body and your spirit need that redemption and renewal. And the good news is that's a real thing. Yeah. So what I find interesting, so you wrote a book uh, called The Healing Church, and you know a lot of books that are out there right now on pornography, um, I don't know how many of them have a title like that, you know, and, and, I, and I love that perspective that you took, that this was something that was going to be happening within the context of the church. But I, I also understand one of the premises or one of the big things that you wanted to talk about or, or issues you wanted to address was this idea that pornography is undermining every ministry in the church. And so can you, can, I, I think that's very intriguing. Can you say, uh, a f- or give us a few comments yeah, on course. that? So if we think about children, that the average age for first exposure to pornography is somewhere between the ages of eight and 12, depending on which study you're looking at, then we need to understand that children's mis- ministry is being undermined by pornography. And that children are often exposing other children 
because her parents are giving them devices at such early ages, and they think no, their child wouldn't be curious like they were curious at that age. And that um, the, the measures they have in place are probably good enough, which means they just look over their shoulder now and again. We have to understand that teens are among the most prolific users of pornography. And so it is undermining our teen ministries, our teen camps. I've, I've talked to many uh, camp counselors who say, we take a phones away today, not just because we want to limit the communication and distractions, et cetera, but because these phone, smartphones are coming into our camps already coded in pornography. That if we think we know that men are struggling, 90%, 93% of men and 63% of women say they have an ongoing struggle with pornography. So it is undermining our men's ministry and our women's ministry. And therefore, it is undermining our marriage ministry. We're talking about communication and good love and giving yourself up for one another. And yet, we're missing that pornography is often undermining those lessons that we're trying to teach. So in 56% of divorce cases a day, a major contributing factor is one spouse's compulsive ongoing use of pornography. We put, you know, this sounds like right, but then we we looked at, I looked at studies from sociologists who, from a secular point of view, the University of Oklahoma and other studies that were being done, and they found that there was a direct correlation between pornography use and reduced prayer life, a greater doubts about God and their faith, less scripture reading, not attending church as often, not volunteering in your church. Now, don't now keep in mind that a lot of Christians grew up also in church. So don't just because some people are attending and they're working hard, don't think all of them are safe. Because many who grew up in the church have learned a performance mentality. And when they fail, they feel awful, that self-hatred at my expense about their sin. And so to make up for their sin, they may work harder for being a, a good dad, a good husband, a good follower of Christ in the church, a volunteer in the church, even in ministry in the church. And so we have to really examine that. Now, what I found in the churches where I found that they were doing this work well was all that got flipped. Attendance was improving. Activity like I said, disciples wanted to give back. They were greater volunteers. That meant they were also giving more to the church. They were ready. They were uh, their beliefs in Christ and in the Bible that is true. All grew. Their prayer life grew. Their scripture writing grew. They learned to actually read. So many men will say, "You know, I just don't like to read." I want you to know that you're going to have a struggle in your overcoming. Of pornography. If you just want to watch a couple of YouTube videos about, oh, I, and, a, and a pep sermon about finding freedom from pornography, I want you to know you got a hard road ahead of you. But if you bear into that and say, you know, I'm willing to do some hard work here. I know that I've got to read and understand why I've been struggling and how Christ can bring freedom in my life. Now you've, you're, you're going on, on, on the right track. I have seen this over and over and over again, that men who step into it find the freedom. Those who bring have a laxadaisical attitude toward it 
they're just going to continue to struggle. And that's true of anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, Jesus loves them. God loves them. It's, uh, it, it, that's, we don't say that to heap shame on anybody. We just say that just to, cause that's, it's, it's just the way it is with any sort of life change, there's going to have to be some sort of an interruption. And I really like what you're saying about, uh, listen, if you're not willing to study this a little bit, then it's probably going to be challenging. And so it's not read a book per se, although I know that's part of it. Listen, there's multiple ways to read books nowadays. So if it's an audible book, that's fine. Do that. If it's podcast, that's fine. Do that. The point is this isn't, this isn't going to be just, uh, you know, God can do anything, as you said earlier, but it's probably not going to be the flash of lightning type experience where I just woke up one day and I, I just haven't looked at it in 22 yeah, years. I just want to you know, encourage that, guys, take great. that step forward. It's so, Hey, mm-hmm. um, if we're falling, let's fall forward. Let's fall. Let's be curious about, okay, I'm, I messed up. Why was, why did that happen? And there are some resources that really help you do a crash analysis. It's a, it really helps you unwrap. You can learn about your failure. So often we just bury our failures and we don't learn from them. But if we we're open and honest, having an ally, Adam, I fell. Well, what happened? What was going on in your life? And, and then what did you do? Where did you go? Okay. What could you do next time instead? And really entering into that, and there's just some, there's so many beautiful resources that you can, uh, here's here's an easy one. You don't even need to spend any money. Uh, Covenant Eyes provides a whole host of free eBooks at covenanteyes.com forward slash eBooks. You can find those books there. Um, the Healing Church, thehealingchurch.com. We provide a lot. I examine specific resources to help men as well as ministry leaders really begin this journey. Uh, and again, that, that free app, uh, and, and by the way, we put audio versions of those courses in there so you can listen to it while you're driving to work, uh, while you're working out at the gym, et cetera. You can, you can begin engaging those free courses in the victory app by covenant eyes just by listening, you know? Yeah, just listen, and you and you as your understanding grows. You press into it, and then suddenly you begin seeing this real change happening in your life. Uh, it is, it is, it is a beautiful feeling, not to have to continue to struggle. That's so good. Well, you know, part of me, Sam, wishes that this was a video podcast because what people can't see that I'm getting to see is uh, you spoke for this entire podcast with a massive smile on your face. <laughs> uh, and, and I say that to encourage yeah. you, my friend, because because there is there's there's a there's almost like an excitement uh, in you because I know that you see so much hope in this. And and I hope that those that are feeling, you know, that, that had a bad night last night that are listening or a bad morning this morning that are listening to this and are feeling in that dark dungeon that they've created for themselves or that prison as we spoke about earlier i i I hope that they uh feel and can experience that hope because it is it is possible right that victory is possible so i love your message i love what you're doing love what you all are doing over there at covenant eyes let's keep it up Uh, we were speaking earlier about trying to uh, there's going to be opportunities for better man and covenant eyes to do some things together so i'm excited about that maybe getting some some links to those courses back and forth. So uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time that our audience hears from you, Sam, but I appreciate you coming on to the Better Man podcast today. It was great to talk Adam, to you. You know, it really is exciting. If if I can give uh, just one word of encouragement is procrastination kills good intentions. 
if you're thinking mm, that's good I like if that. you're thinking well i i should do something uh, right now is a good time to begin saying hey i'm going to commit i'm ready to step up i want that freedom and and i'm really ready to fight for it i'm ready to step into the arena and and fight for my freedom and i'm going to tell someone i'm going to find a clo a friend that i can talk to today and guys if uh, if you need a safe place, but you just don't know where to go, samsonsociety.com is a great resource where you can begin telling your story, maybe for the first time. And and I, I just want to encourage you today, don't let procrastination uh, kill your opportunity to take that first step toward freedom. Perfect ending. Sam, once again, thank you so much. Hey fam, it's Chris Harper. Betterman's chief storyteller and CEO. At Betterman, we're not reinventing masculinity, we're reclaiming it. We're pointing men to the greatest man ever, King Jesus, showing them God's good design for manhood. Did you know that Betterman is 100% donor supported? We exist because of the generosity of people like you. I've got a question for you. Would you consider becoming a financial partner today? Either making a one-time gift or becoming a monthly partner helps us take Better Man to the world. Check out the link in the show notes below and support Better Man today.